Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, look, I'm going to start off with a story tonight. Before I tell you my other cool title, be waiting for that um, for tonight's message. But so how many of you are eighth grade and under? So sixth, seventh and eighth. It's all right if you raise your hand. It's still cool. Sixth, seventh and eighth. All right, cool. Uh, well, y'all pay attention to this story because I'll probably save you some embarrassment and some money. So pay attention. How about ninth and tenth grade? Where you at? All right, you guys will probably get a kick out of this because it's a typical rookie mistake. And then 11th and 12th grade, where you at? All right, don't try this and don't do not do this. Uh, I don't want any parents or anybody calling me like, Brady, what are you teaching in Fusion? All right, I'm, my disclaimer is don't do this. Okay, so anyway, um, eighth grade year, all right, eighth grade year. I was getting started, uh, I was getting ready to go to high school. The high school I went to technically started in eighth grade. And so, like everybody who's going to high school for the first time, man, I was excited about it. I was nervous. Um, I wanted to be cool. Everybody wants to be cool. Like, everybody, everybody wants people to think, man, that's a cool guy or that's a cool girl. So, you know, it's eighth grade. The summer before my eighth grade year, I started working out. And, uh, man, I thought I was just so swole, you know. <laughs> started working out. I was eating a bunch of food. Um, I had a fresh tan. It's a good old summertime. Um, Long hair, I don't know if that's still a cool thing, but believe it or not, I had like long, wavy hair my eighth grade year. I thought I was a stud, all right? <laughs> so I'm on my way to school uh, first morning in eighth grade, and I'm excited, man. I, me and some friends of mine were riding together. Our mom dropped us off. We had him drop us off in the parking lot so we didn't look uncool. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so we were excited, though, man. I couldn't wait to get on the scene, you know, check out. Check out uh, people from other middle schools that I have never seen before. You know, a bunch of people coming to one school, the whole nine yards. You know, couldn't wait to show off what I've been working out so hard for all uh, all summer. Kidding. Not really. I really did feel that way. But um, and then I can't. I couldn't wait to check out the girl scene. You know, and I was gonna. I was dressed to impress. I had my my tie. Man, when I said that, everybody sat up like they were surprised. I said that. That's a normal thing. So I tied my, had my tie and my shirt all pleated up and everything, man. I was just, look, I thought I looked good, all right? So me and my friends, we walk on the scene at, at like recess time or whatever. And the morning went great. You know, first class, I get to my first class. I had a cute girl sitting next to me at my first class. Look at some of y'all smiling. I had a cute girl sitting next to me at one of my first classes. And man, that made my, my day right there, my morning. And so it was all smooth, y'all. So we get to recess or lunch, lunch recess, and you know I started working out at that at that time, and so I knew some of the older seniors. And so, you know, if you just go to high school and the seniors know who you are, that's a that's a good check mark to check off your list. Like you cool. So seniors in here, eighth graders think y'all cool because that's how I felt. So anyway, um, I walk in, and next thing you know, some seniors that I knew from the gym. They come up and they're like, hey, Brady, what's up, man? High-fiving me and, whoo, it's all going so good, you know? Well, then these other seniors I'd never met before, um, they came and they started chatting with us. And I thought, well, man, they must think I'm so cool, you know? And so, man, they were like, dude, you got how many, how many classes you had? And we had seven, like seven classes a day, like 50-minute classes. And it was a two-story high school. So that's seven times a day you're going up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs. And so, you know, the guy said, man, you, 
That's a lot. So he's telling me that. You know, he's really, he, he's talking about how horrible it is to have to climb all these stairs. And I'm just following him. I'm like, man, my day was going really good and thinking to myself, and now it's, it's not looking so hot, you know? And so this guy, and you could tell, like, you know, he was probably like one of the popular guys in school. And, uh, and he says, but I tell you what, man, for the first week of school, I try to hook up the eighth graders. And so, man, I'm looking at my friends like, all right, man, we got the hookup, you know? So I try to hook up the eighth graders and just help you guys out. And I was like, oh, sweet, awesome. So what's up? He says, well, I tell you what, for one week only, I'll make you this deal. I'll sell you some elevator passes so you ain't got to climb all them stairs, which was a phenomenal deal. And so I was like, sweet, all right, well, what's the price? He says, only $25 for a week and 80 bucks for a month. And I had started working around this time, so I was like, you got it, man. Just visions run through my mind of me walking with these elevator passes and, you know, the cute girl next to me in class. Hey, can I ride the elevator with you? Oh, yeah, no problem, you know. And then the cool seniors like, man, you think I could get on that elevator? For sure, man, come on. You know, and so, I, man, I divvied out 25 bucks. I bought me a week's worth, and you know, I'm sitting in class, and they had another cute girl next to me, and I'm like, so guess what? She's like, what? So I got I got an elevator pass, so next time after lunch, holla at your boy. I'm going to ride the elevator. So uh, I didn't say holla at your boy. That wasn't a cool thing back then, but I would have said that. Anyway, so, man, the whole rest of the day, I'm looking. I'm walking all the way down the hall. I can't find an elevator. The next day, I'm walking around. I can't find an elevator. Man, by the third day, I realized I got got. They didn't have no elevators. I bought these elevator passes, and they didn't have no elevators. So, man, I was all puffed up and everything, right? So fast forward five years, my senior year, guess what I did? I made my money back. I sold some elevator passes, all right? So point being to that story is, you know, everybody wants to be cool. Everybody wants to be popular. Whether you say you do or not, it's, it's true. Everybody wants to be accepted. That's the bottom line. Everybody just wants to be accepted. But... Sometimes we'll do anything to be accepted. Sometimes we'll make unwise decisions to be accepted. Sometimes we'll follow the wrong crowd to be accepted. And being want to be accepted is not a, a bad thing in itself. But when you're sacrificing unwise things or, or wise decisions for unwise decisions, it's not always a good thing. Um, so seniors, don't get any ideas. Don't sell elevator passes. Final disclaimer. Okay, so, um, you know, Proverbs warns us about this type of stuff. Now, that's a light example, and that's on this end of the spectrum, so to speak. But we could go way on this end of the spectrum and follow influences that we shouldn't be following, and it has a bigger impact or a, a more negative impact on our life. And so Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, we'll start there, says, My son... If sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, lie, uh, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay, that word always gets me, let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We'll get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us, so team up with us, and we'll share a common purse. So come and do these sinful things with us, and we're all going to enjoy it together. My son or daughter, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their path, for their feet rush into sin. They're swift to shed blood. 
How useless to spread a net in full view um, of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. So really, they're really only hurting themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away from the lives of those who get it. So the title of tonight's message, you ready? Who are you following? Who are you following? Ask yourself that while you're sitting there. Maybe a person's coming to your mind. Uh, maybe a, a famous person, might be a friend of yours, might be an older sibling, uh, might be an older cousin. But who are you following? You know, as an eighth grader, to me, it was a good idea to follow the guy selling the elevator passes. And that's a silly story, but it paints the picture that I, that I really want to paint of who are you following? You know, when I asked that question, I've asked that before um, one-on-one with people. And I've noticed that a lot of times people don't think they're following anyone. I've gotten that. I'm not following. What are you talking about? You're following somebody, and you might not realize it who, but another way to ask that is, who are you being influenced by? Who are you being influenced by? Regardless of who it is, you're going to do one of two things as a result. That person's either going to, one, lead you further from Christ, or two, they're going to lead you closer to Christ. There's no neutral. You know how a car you have drive and reverse? That's all they got in Christianity. There's no such thing as neutral. Y'all follow? So no such thing as neutral. The first question, are you following or being influenced by ungodly people? Are you following and be and don't check out. If you if if the answer is yes, hang tight. I got something for you in the on the back end of this message. But if you're following ungodly people, your results are gonna be ungodly results. Right? So some examples of ungodly people. Drake, Beyonce. Girls don't kill me, but Justin Bieber, all right? Golly, y'all look mad. Justin Bieber, all right? Um, it could be the captain of a sports team you're on that's an ungodly person. Um, maybe it's a popular guy or popular girl at school that's, they're just not godly people. I'm not trying to rag, I'm not trying to rag on these people. I'm not trying to rag on Drake. I pick on Drake a lot. He's just a popular guy, and, um, and he raps about some ungodly things, right? or Beyonce, or Justin Bieber, or any of these people, but the reality is they're not godly people. And so rather than be influenced by them, let's be influenced by godly people, all right? And so I think that too often as Christians, we allow ourselves to be led astray subtly by ungodly people, meaning, you know, if they're on a scale of 1 to 10, I like the, I like using scales, on a scale of 1 to 10, let's say a 10 is really bad sinful stuff, right, uh, by the world's standard. And, and a one is you following Jesus. They might be doing a 10, and we think, well, man, like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm only doing like a seven, so it's really not that big a deal. It's still short of the standard that God has set for you as a Christian. And so they're not the standard. And so if we all we do is, is take our influence from society or, or the popular people or any of that stuff, then we're selling ourselves short and we can be lulled into doing that. We can, we can be deceived into thinking, man, this is not that big of a deal, right? Proverbs 24.1 says, Do not envy wicked men. Do not desire their company for their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. So the second question, if the first question is, is it ungodly people, 
Obviously, the second question, are you following godly people? Are you following godly people? These people should lead you closer to Christ. These people should have an effect on making you want to be more Christ-like. Some examples, and these are some cliche examples, but again, they paint the picture. You know, in athletes, Tim Tebow, everybody knows Tim Tebow. Whether he was a great athlete and made it to be like a Hall of Famer or not, the good thing about Tim Tebow is he wasn't ashamed of his faith. He gave his glory to Jesus. In college, he was a phenomenal athlete. Everybody would have wanted him on their team. And when he could have taken the credit and he could have got all the glory for himself, he'd always direct it to Jesus. Another example um, would be Steph Curry. You know, right now they got basketball playoffs and Steph Curry does the same thing. Now, they're humans. They're humans, but they still make mistakes. So they still make mistakes. But they, they, they want to bring you closer to God. They look at what they're doing and they say, you know what, this isn't everything. The most important thing is my relationship with Jesus. So they're good examples. Musicians, we got like people like Lecrae and his whole crew or Need to Breathe. I don't know if you ever heard of Need to Breathe, but they're phenomenal. Guys like that. Whatever it is that you have a passion for, for me, it's business. For me, I like business. And so I look at like Chick-fil-A. How many of you like Chick-fil-A? Everyone likes Chick-fil-A. Well, Dan Cathy, he owns Chick-fil-A. They are well-known. Like, they teach on Chick-fil-A. That's one of our options. I was in, in school with Matt, and that was one of our options to study in a university. And so how do you become one of, like, 10 options to study in a university that's not a Christian university? you got to be doing good work. Chick-fil-A is a Christian-run business, and you can't help but feel the love of God when you go in there. You're served top-notch. He gives his glory to God. Chick-fil-A gives their glory to the Lord. Other examples, church leadership, pastors, worship leaders, students, Christian friends. All these people conduct themselves in a Christ-like manner. They've surrendered their life to the Lord, and their biggest objective is to lead others to the Lord too. That should be what we focus on to be our main, uh, our main example. Um, the Apostle Paul, he modeled this for us. In 1 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17, he says, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So pretty much what Paul is saying is, look, you need to see the gospel, not just hear the gospel. Right. And so Paul's he's taking the responsibility. He's like, well, man, like you guys, y'all can read my letters. Y'all can do all this stuff. But you need more than that. You need an example. And I'll be the example. I'll take the weight of that responsibility. Um, That's what we're called to do as Christians. I had this uh, in my notes and I I took it out for time's sake. But um, man, I think I think it goes well. Uh, Jesus is looking for people with a. I can show you better than I can tell you attitude. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is looking for people who have an I can show you better than I can tell you attitude. Right? How many of you know John 3.16? Right? John 3.16, John 3.16, John 3.17. That's verses we can all quote, we can all recite. But sometimes we don't show that to be true. Right? And that's an example to say that We can know scripture, we can recite scripture, we can sit under teaching, and we can tell people the teaching that we've sat under, but what we do 
speaks volumes, like those examples that I missed earlier. So my next question would be this. Who are you leading? Who are you leading? How many of you know that you're leading somebody? Let me see your hand. And not just because I say it. If you don't think you're leading anybody, don't raise your hand. So let me see your hands. Okay. Everyone in here is leading someone. Everybody in here is leading somebody. I promise you. I promise you. Um, it could be a younger sibling. It could be a cousin. It could be a neighbor. It might be someone you don't even know you're leading. But I promise you, you're leading them. Um, I'm going to tell you guys another quick story. Um, growing up, my, you know, like a lot of you know, I didn't grow up um, a Christian. You know, I didn't grow up with a relationship with Jesus. And from a little from a little kid, you know, my dad always told me growing up, he always said, hey, son, let me tell you something. You're a leader. And I really didn't even know how to articulate what he meant by that. Like, what do you mean I'm a leader, you know? And he'd always say, son, every time I'd go somewhere, he'd always tell me, son, remember what I always tell you, you're a leader. And I didn't really understand that. But one day, and again, I had no moral compass as far as Christianity goes. It was what mom and dad said was right, you know, which you go by that too. But, you know, one day I had some friends of mine doing some things. Um, I was probably 12, 13 years old. And the first time I remembered my dad saying, you're a leader. And so I made the decision to not do what those people were doing. And only 12 years old, made that decision. And I noticed they had some people follow me. And they didn't follow these other guys. And that wasn't the only time that that happened. A couple months later, another time. And I'll tell you what it was. I had some friends of mine that was starting to smoke weed. And that was the cool thing to do. And not that I was not doing it because God wouldn't have been happy. But I just felt like that wasn't right. So I chose not to do it. The second time around, I made the same decision. And at the time, I thought I was sacrificing my popularity. But what I realized was people started to see he's got a backbone. He's a leader. And what my dad spoke over me was true at 12 years old. It wasn't about me trying to fit in because I wanted to be cool. Remember earlier I said Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be cool. People want to be accepted. But sometimes it's at the wrong expense. Now, later on in life, as a lot of you guys know, I made that decision to do those types of things. But what my dad had spoken over me still rang in my head, still rang in my head. And here's the difference between me and you guys. You know, one of my points in here is once you learn who to follow, like Christ-like examples, then you have the responsibility to lead. So once you know the right direction, then you've got the responsibility to lead people in the right direction. What I didn't know is I might have been leading people um, or leading people, period, but I didn't know where to lead them. You guys, on the other hand, you know where to lead them. You know to lead them to a relationship with Jesus. And if they need some examples and they need some help, you know how to plug them into those examples and plug them into the help. You can plug them into church with you guys. You can bring them around your family and love on those people. You know, you can say a kind word to people who don't treat you so hot. Um, you can stand up for what you believe in in a loving and polite way. That's all marks of leadership. And you know what? Just like my dad spoke to me, you're a leader. I want to speak that over you. 
All of you are leaders. You're not called to be followers of people who are ungodly people. You're called to be followers of godly people and lead them. And guys, I know this can be a, a heavy subject, but let me just say this. That principle, it doesn't just change once you hit a certain age. If you're not being a leader now, don't just expect that to just change. You got to change it. If you find yourself following, and a lot of saying in my notes, I just feel unction. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to, to go along with this. If you're thinking that one day I'll change this or one day I'll change this. Look, if you're going to follow the wrong crowd now, you got to make the decision to follow the right crowd. No one can do that for you. Y'all receive that, guys? Yeah? Let me move on. Um, another point here is I want to start off with Matthew 5.13. Before I do that, not only are you leaders, but you've probably heard this before, but act like it's the first time you heard it. You are the salt of the earth. What's that mean? You're the salt of the earth. So Matthew 5.13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the salt of the earth. How many of you like boiled seafood, like crawfish, crabs, stuff like that? God, none of y'all like boiled seafood? Oh my goodness. We'll have prayer at the end of this. Um, so boiled seafood. What happens when you start eating boiled seafood? You get thirsty, right? Man, when you start eating, especially if it's spicy, you get thirsty. And so when you think you're the salt of the earth, when you eat salty food, you get thirsty. Let's put that together. That means that whenever people are around you and you're, you're, you're being Christ-like, not, I'm not saying reciting scripture at them, but living scripture to them, they, they become thirsty for more of whatever it is, even if they can't articulate it. An example of that might be, maybe somebody's really rude, and, and it's, it takes the grace of God to not be that way back to them, right? Sometimes when you allow the, the grace of God to let you love people who aren't lovable by our, by our standards, that's a witness to those people, right? It makes them say, man, what's that? Or when you go through a tough time, right? And you still have peace or you still have joy. Man, people in the world just don't have that. I grew up for 20 years without that. I didn't know what joy was. I thought joy and happiness were the same thing. I had no clue. And so the simple things that we take for granted as Christians are amazing to people who don't know Jesus. We've got something that they don't have. You know, earlier when I was talking about you know, Drake or Beyonce or Justin Bieber. Every time I say Justin Bieber, all the girls are like, what's wrong with you? So anyway, Justin Bieber, any, anybody who might not be a godly example. Here's the reality. They're just like I was before I got saved. Um, they're looking for things to fill a void. Everybody's born with something missing. Everybody's born on the hunt. Everyone. And God planned it that way because in our seeking, the only thing we'll ever find to stop us from seeking is Jesus. That's the only thing that fills that void. I can tell you that from experience, guys. It's the only thing that fills that void. So why are you called to lead? Because all the people around you who want to influence you in a godly way, they're trying to influence you away from the only thing that fills that void. And if you're not leading, who's going to show them? So you're called to lead. You're called to lead. You're the salt of the earth. 
Let's put up John 4. We're going to start in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Uh, Oh, she said to Jesus, Yeah, will you give me a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, talking about the well water. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And so you're the salt of the earth. When you eat salty food, you get thirsty, right? And so the reality is when people encounter you living a Christian life, whether that's popular to them or not at the time, they might not tell you, but they walk away wanting to know what it is you got. Not when you're preaching at them, but when you're living, when you're being Jesus to them. They're wanting to know what that's about. So my last question is this. Who's following you? Who's following you? I asked that earlier. Who's following you? So who are you following? Are you leading? And who's following you? A lot of times people say, I don't want people to follow me. Like, I don't want that responsibility. Or I don't want, um, I don't want to mess up. Or I don't think people's following me. Or There's a lot of rebuttals to that. Somebody following you is unavoidable. Somebody's going to follow you. It's unavoidable. You're going to do one of two things. You're either going to lead them towards Christ or lead them away from Christ. A lot of times we can shy away from the responsibility of that. A lot of times people are like, oh, man, don't place that responsibility on people. It's a real responsibility. If you say you're a Christian, people are expecting to receive whatever that is you got. You've got the responsibility. But here's the thing. God's grace is sufficient for you. If you're staying in your word, if you're staying prayerful, if you're continuing to follow godly influences, it's not hard to be a Christian if you're not doing it alone and if you're being filled with the grace of God. Y'all receive that, guys? Let me tell y'all one more story. Um, And I'm not going to use his name. I I hope I don't use his name. I always mess up and almost do that. Um, So this is right before I got saved. I I think I was 20 years old. And um, I used to I used to coach or I'd work at a, at a mixed martial arts gym and um, I'd help coach boxing and, and stuff like that. And there was this younger guy and um, I, I always use the name John because it's a generic name. So we're going to say John. Some like I've said before, some poor guy, John, catches a lot of heat for me in my messages. So anyway, John. So John was a little guy at the gym and and he would clean the mats. He trained for free and he cleaned the, the mats that we would train on. Um, after we close. And so sometimes I'd bring John home. Sometimes I'd give John private lessons. I'd, I'd work with him, stuff like that. But I thought that's all it was. Well, one night, I, I was about 20. I think it was the summertime. It was right before I got saved. And I'm downtown, and I'm blitzed, all right? I am hammered. I look over, and I thought from about 30 feet away, I thought somebody looked familiar. And as they got closer to me, I realized it was John. Now, John was maybe 16. He might have been 16. He might have been 15. I can't remember. But it's probably midnight, and I had some a bunch of friends with me, and I'm met up with John, and he runs up, and he's like, Coach, Coach. I was like, Whoa, what, what are you doing? 
And he's like, man, what's up, man? He gave me a high five. I was like, what you doing, man? And he's like, man, me and my friends and his friends caught up with, with him. And around that time, my friends caught up with me, a bunch of guys and girls. We all hung out. And he looks and he like gets close to me and he kind of gets in and to where nobody else can hear him. And he's like, dude, this is what I'm talking about, man. This is what I'm talking about. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, this is, dude, I want to be just like you, man. What? I had no idea. Why do you want to be just like me, I'm thinking. And what he didn't know was before I moved to Lafayette, I was doing sales in the oil field. I had all expenses paid for any sinful lifestyle I wanted to live. I was running with guys in their 30s doing oil field sales. It was filthy. And I moved up here, and then I was doing drugs and drinking and all this type of stuff, looking for that void, trying to fill that void. And I'm on my way out of that. I'm trying to get out of that. I can't quit. I, I was going through this, this struggle. And here comes this young guy, and he's telling me this is what he wants. At that moment, I realized, oh, man, like this, this kid's following me. It was a responsibility. I didn't want, and I didn't even know I had. If you'd have asked me at that time, who's following you? I'd have said, nobody's following. I'd have probably looked behind me like, someone's following me? What are you talking about? This kid was following me. And, you know, thank God that he redeems things. And now I'll see John from time to time. And for all I know, maybe John's still living like that, because I'm pretty sure he went down that road. Um, and it, it's, it's tough to think about. But, man, when I think of John, I pray for him. And when I see John, now he knows I'm a pastor. And that kind of throws a trigger. He's kind of wanting to know what in the world happened, you know, and it opens the door for me to preach to John. And so I say that to say there's other stories like that, but good ones, and those feel way better than messing somebody up. And so I'm going to ask that again, and I want you to stand as I ask, that, ask a couple of those questions again, uh, worship team, if, if I could have some of my leaders, if you guys can come up now, some of my leaders to the front, um, we're going to have the altars open for prayer. Don't check out yet, guys. I want to ask this question again. Right where you're at, I just want you to close your eyes, only because I just don't want distractions. I just want you to really be truthful with yourself and answer these questions to yourself. First question is, who are you following? Who are you following? Who's influencing you? Maybe you're in here and you, you might say, you might say, you know what? I've been coming for a while. I've heard a lot about Jesus. I, I know the Bible even, but I'm not following Jesus. Maybe you're not following him. Maybe you don't know if it's going to be okay if you follow him. Maybe Maybe you're dealing with surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe that's you tonight. I mentioned this verse earlier. John 3, 16 through 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus loves you. If you surrender your life, I promise he's not going to hand you a bunch of problems. He created you with a specific purpose and only once you surrender your life to him 
Can he lead you and guide you into that purpose? Everything else is going to fall short. So who are you following? Maybe even after I said that, maybe you said, maybe you're the, the person who says, you know what, one day I'll follow him, but first I want to do this. Or but first I want to do that. Maybe it's, but first I want to get to senior high and do some things that I know aren't godly. Or maybe it's first I want to graduate high school and then do some things that I know aren't godly. Or maybe it's, you see, you'll always have the opportunity to have a, I'll do this, but I'll wait for this. That'll, that'll always be available. In Matthew eight nineteen, it says, Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Another disciple said to him, they're talking to Jesus, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. When I heard that or read that, I've always thought, Man, that's a little harsh. But Jesus knew something. He knew that there'd always be an excuse. He knew there'd always be an excuse. You know, if you're saying, but first, you're not the first person to say that. Because see, this guy, chances are he'd have went and buried his, his dad. And then he'd have had to take care of his dad's property. And then he'd have had to take care of somebody else. Or he'd have continued to make excuses. Jesus is waiting on you to make a decision. Second question is, are you leading? Maybe you're following Jesus, kind of. And then you're following ungodly people, kind of. Remember, you're the salt of the earth. The good news is that if you've lost your flavor, there's, re- there's redemption. And Jesus can cleanse you of that stuff. Right? Third question. Who's following you? Maybe you know. Maybe you don't know. But I promise you, somebody's following you. Before I, I close with a prayer, I want to say this. You can't lead people in the right direction if you're not going in the right direction but you can't mislead people in the wrong direction if you are going in the right direction and so tonight just like I told you all of you are leaders I want everybody to close their eyes just for right now just close your eyes and it's a courtesy thing you're a leader and I'm going to pray and as soon as I say amen The thing about leaders is they have to take bold stands and they have to do things that other people aren't doing. And so as soon as I I say amen, if any of those questions resonated with you, if maybe you want to follow Jesus and you haven't been, or maybe you used to and you you quit, or maybe, maybe you're half and half, or maybe you have an influence and you know it and you want to do better at it. If any of those things, when I say amen, I want you to come forward and come and stand with people and pray. You can't walk this Christian life out alone. And so if it's hard to do, it's because you're probably trying to do it alone. So I encourage you again, respond. So every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm just going to pray, Jesus, we love you, God. Lord, I pray that right now, everybody that's hearing my voice, Holy Spirit, I pray that you convict where conviction's needed. I pray that you would encourage where encouragement is needed. I pray that you would, you would let people feel the mercy that you have for them if they need mercy. God, you've created us to be leaders. As Christians, we're to lead the world. And God, everybody in here is a leader. Lord, I pray that you would release leadership 
over every person in this room. If they don't feel like a leader, God, I pray that they would start to feel like a leader. God, if they need boldness, I pray you release boldness. Jesus, I pray that right now, your Holy Spirit will continue to build up the students in this room. Now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that right now you you, you convict everybody who needs that. You communicate, God. You can convict in a subtle way. You meet us right where we are. So, Jesus, I pray that you do that right now. For those who who are going to be leaving after this, God, I pray that you put your hand of protection over them. Keep them safe. And, God, for everybody else as well, God, that you place your hand of protection over them. Keep them safe. God, I pray that you use everybody in here. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, guys, if that's you, I want you to come forward right now. Don't be hesitant. Be a leader. Take a step. Be bold. You're called to be leaders. If everybody else is, is all set, then, God, we love you. Guys, we love you. And, um, and you're free to go. But let me re-encourage you. Everybody can use prayer. And so, if you want prayer, I want to encourage you. Come up, guys. Thanks for coming out. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.